Good morning. Today's reading is uh, Romans chapter 15, verses 14 to 33, and it can be found on, on page 1142 in a blue church Bible. Romans chapter 15. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourself are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of the signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through, and that you will assist me on my journey there, and after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem, in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I will come to you, I will come in full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in the struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favourably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Good morning, everybody. My name is Neil. It's great to have you here with us, especially if you're visiting this Sunday. Let's uh, pray together as we come and look at this passage from the book of Romans. I want to start with a few words of the Lord Jesus. In fact, the last words that he gave uh, to his disciples. Then Jesus came to them, we read at the end of Matthew's Gospel, and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that these final words of the Lord Jesus were that great commission 
to make disciples of all nations. And as we look at the end of this book of Romans, thank you that we see again in the life and example of Paul a global ambition, a gospel ambition to make Jesus known where he has not yet been made known. Stir our hearts, give us a vision for the greatness of Jesus and fill us with that same ambition, we pray in his precious name. Amen. Well, please do keep that passage open, would you? Uh, Romans chapter 15, page 1142. There might be a few questions that uh, you found yourself asking, pondering in recent weeks. Maybe one of them is this. Uh, Why would Lord Sugar want any of these people as his next apprentice? And hasn't he got enough already? Or maybe you're pondering uh, Brexit. Will it ever happen? Do we want it to happen? Is this just the end of the beginning? Who knows? Or maybe this one. Who would want to put up a Christmas tree in November? Maybe that's you. I don't know. Well, if you're here as a Christian this morning, I hope this is a question that that you at least ask yourself from time to time. It's this one. What are you doing here? Uh, That's not meant to be a, a, a rude suggestion. You shouldn't be here. But why do you come Sunday by Sunday to church? What is it that we, as a family, we as City Church, exists to be and to do? Well, I hope we enjoy each other's company. I hope we uh, get on and uh, I hope we'll enjoy a cup of coffee at the end of the morning. But why do we gather? Well, the letter to the Hebrews gives us something of an answer. Maybe you know these words from the end of chapter 10. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another And all the more as we see the day approaching. Let us spur one another on to love and to good deeds. That's why we're here. And of course we do that supremely by sitting under the Bible together. What is it that God would have us do? What's his heartbeat? What is it that we are about as a local church? And so we're looking at Romans 12 to 16 in this little section. And trying to understand that God has called on us to be and to do something in light of the gospel. Do you remember Romans 12 and verse 1, that sort of hinge verse, that pivotal verse, the so what? If, if chapters 1 to 11 are the glorious unveiling and unpacking of the gospel of God's grace to undeserving sinners, so what? Well, chapter 12 and verse 1, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Uh, You could paraphrase that sentence something like this. Are you ready? Give yourself totally to God in light of all that Jesus has given to you. That's what he's saying. Give yourself to God as a living sacrifice in the light of all that Jesus has given you, the eternal life in him through simple faith in his death. In view of God's mercy, give everything to God. And we've been seeing in chapters 12 and following something of what that means. As Paul unpacks the implications and the applications set out for us. He says in verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't let the world squeeze you into its shape, mold you into its shape. Don't let the world put you in a box. But think through the gospel. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds and you'll see that the gospel begins to change everything about you. It's going to change, give you new attitudes, new priorities, new practices, all out of a new motivation. 
that you belong to Jesus and you're giving everything back to him. And as we turn to the second half of Romans 15, we find what's probably the last of the great sort of motivators here at the end of the book of Romans. What does it mean to allow the gospel to renew our minds? What does it mean to be transformed by God's mercy? Well, I think it's this. In view of God's mercy, go and make Christ known. That's where the second half of chapter 15 is taking us. In view of God's mercy, go and make Christ known. The key verse for us is verse 20 of our passage and Paul's personal ambition. Did you notice that? I wonder how you are tempted to answer, uh, uh, to finish this sentence. It has always been my ambition too. What's your ambition? Climb Mount Kilimanjaro? Become a ballet dancer? An interior designer? My eldest son, in answer to the question, said, It has always been my ambition not to be used as a sermon illustration. (laughs) Which was too clever by half. Well, look at Paul's answer, verse 20 of chapter 15. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. And if you are reflecting on God's mercy, chapter 12, verse 1, you'll start to think that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? If God has been that merciful to me, Someone who by right deserves his wrath and judgment and condemnation, but now through faith in Jesus Christ and his death in my place, my sins are forgiven and forgotten forever, and now I face a glorious future in light of God's mercy. Why wouldn't it be my ambition to share that good news with those who've not received that mercy? It's not difficult to see why a Christian would give that answer. Someone has said Christianity contains within its own message the motive for sharing it. It's in its very essence. The motive for sharing is its message. We saw that at the very beginning of the book. If you were here, those maybe what now, two years ago when we started out in chapter 1, the gospel 1 verse 16, the good news of Jesus is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Do you know, you can have a conversation with a taxi driver later today, and in one single five-minute conversation, change his eternal destiny. It really could be as simple as that. It's that powerful. Someone who is a hell-bound sinner, facing eternal death, is instead saved for a glorious future in heaven because you've had one five-minute conversation. That is how powerful the gospel is. It raises the dead. To eternal life. No wonder Christians want to make this message their priority. You know, there are certain kind of outlooks on life that that actually don't really want you, don't make you want to share them. Here's Bertrand Russell's philosophy on life. Okay, he was a philosopher, lived about a hundred or so years ago. This is what he thought about life. He said, "Man is the product of causes which had no prevision of the ends they were achieving." His origin, growth, hopes and fears, loves and beliefs are but the accidental collocation of atoms. No fire in the belly, no heroism can prevent an individual life beyond the grave. The whole temple of man's achievements must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. 
Now that's not the kind of outlook that gets you out of bed in the morning, is it? Um, It doesn't make you want to enter the charitable sector and work for the common good. It doesn't get you onto the wards of a hospital talking with people who've just received a terminal diagnosis of cancer, does it? There's nothing inherently in that worldview that makes you want to go and tell others. But Christianity is the exact opposite of that. Everything about it cries out, this is the most amazing good news. And even, even atheists who think about it agree with that. Here's the journalist and atheist Matthew Paris. He said, the New Testament offers a picture of God which does not sound at all vague. He has sent his son to earth. He has distinct plans for each of us personally and can communicate directly with us. We are capable, Matthew Parrish is just reading the Bible, he's saying, if I was a Christian, this is what I'd know. We are capable of forming a direct relationship individually with him and are commanded to try. We are told that this can only be done through his son. And we are offered the prospect of eternal life and afterlife in happy, blissful and glorious circumstances if we live this life in a certain manner. And this is his conclusion. Friends, if I believe that, or even a tenth of that, I would drop my job, sell my house, throw away all my possessions, leave my acquaintances, and set out into the world burning with desire to know more. And when I had found out more, to act upon it and tell others. Here's his conclusion Far from being puzzled that Mormons and Adventists should knock on the door, I'm unable to understand how anyone who believed that which is written in the Bible could choose to spend their waking hours in any other endeavor. Now, I think he's just understood, as much as an atheist can, the gospel And chapter 12, verse 1, in view of God's mercy, what would you do if you believed that God had transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from death to light to an eternal... What would you do? You'd offer everything, wouldn't you, he's saying? Wouldn't that be the only response? So what have you made your personal ambition? To become a doctor? To complete a marathon? To visit every football ground in the country? I don't know what your ambition is. To be a millionaire? If you're a Christian, the gospel gives you a global ambition. Global mission is the goal of gospel-minded Christians. If you'll let your mind be renewed and transformed by your understanding of the gospel, it will take you inevitably to this conclusion. Let's go. Let's tell the world. Why would we do anything else? I have a friend. I don't, he's a member of the church. I haven't seen him yet this morning, so he may not be here. But he has a very simple mission statement for his life. I love it. I, I wish I'd thought of it first. This is, for him, a successful life. Are you ready? A successful life is this. That there should be more people in heaven... Because he had lived than if he had not. I love that. I think I want that to be my mission statement for life. That there will be more people in heaven because I lived than if I had not. 
And of course, the only way there can be more people in heaven is if they hear about Jesus. Romans chapter 10. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Gospel ambition leads to global mission. Now, do you remember Matthew Paris said, look, if I believed what's written in the Bible, I'd sell everything and I'd you know, travel to the ends of the earth and all of that kind of thing. As I read the Bible, I don't see that that is what God has called every Christian to do. So I think on that point, I'm not sure he's right. And the reason is because I think God gifts certain people with the, the gifting of an evangelist, a proclaimer of the gospel, gifts them in cross-cultural mission, puts it on their heart and calls them to go. And I don't see anywhere in the Bible that suggests to me that that should be everyone. So in other words, our response to the gospel shouldn't be that we literally resign tomorrow. Okay, Not suggesting that is the godly thing to do. I think the godly thing to do is to say, I'm all in for global mission. I'm all in for Jesus. I want to play my part. And my part is to work out what has God gifted me to do. So for some of you, it will go and earn a lot of money and give a lot of money to global mission. To be good at your job, get promoted, earn money, be generous with what God has given you. For others who are retired, it will be, well, to be more prayerful in the hours that God has given you at home for global mission. But for some of you, it might mean going. For some of you, it might mean that. Some have left City Church, haven't they, and relocated around the world, whether that's someone like Sarah Gieske in uh, Western Africa, or Rachel Smith in Pakistan, or others that we, Catherine Bollister, you know, the list we've mentioned a number, we know who've gone and occasionally they come back and visit. There are some who are called to go. And of course, there are some who've been called by God to leave their country to come here. So we have a number of people working in Birmingham, planting churches who come from other countries to help global mission here. So it's a a two-way thing. And of course, it's why some of us leave City Church to go and be involved in a church plant somewhere else in Birmingham to reach a different side and different part of the community. So yes, some will go, some will come, and others will support. But is it your ambition? Global mission. To say, whatever part my part is, I'm up for this and I'm ready to play it. Because it's the only logical conclusion if the gospel is true. We're going to look a little bit about what partnership might mean in a moment. As we look at how Paul asks the church in Rome to partner with him. But before we think a little bit about partnership in mission... Let me say that a, a concern for global mission begins with a missionary heart for those within our communities. So yes, Christmas is coming, and perhaps you know where I'm going in my application. There are certain people in our office, in our family, our next-door neighbors, our friends at the club or sport that we're involved with who don't know Jesus. And we have Christmas the easiest invite of the year to say to someone, why not come along to one of our carol services or events and just join in the Christmas festivities and celebrations and you know there'll be an explanation of the gospel at the heart of that. I've invited two taxi drivers this week, Sunday, December the 8th, 
come along. Do you know where the Green Man pub is? Yeah, do you know the Blue Coat School across the road? From the, yeah, I know where that is. Okay, just come, five or eight o'clock on Sunday. Great carol service, gospel choir, candles, come along. Invited a kickboat, a kickboxing coach yesterday morning to come. Not my kickboxing coach, no, not me, um, I wish. Not mine. But I said, do you want to come along to this? He said, oh, I talked. You invited me last year, didn't you? And I couldn't come, but I talked to my grandma about it. And I said, well, both of you, come. It's going to be amazing. It's the easiest invite of the year. I have neighbors who invite themselves, who've come year after year to it, and say, when is it? I'm going to come along. They post it on Facebook for me. It's the easiest opportunity. We've got these flyers at the back. Take more than one. And just prayerfully, generously, Gossip the gospel as you give people an invitation to this. It's the easiest invite of the year. The missionary heart starts in our neighborhood, in our community. Evangelism may not be every moment of every day like it was for the Apostle Paul, for us. But I guess for many of us it probably should be more than it is. And Christmas is a time to sort of redress the balance a little bit isn't it to just say i'm going to go again this has drifted this has not been a focus i do love jesus i do think he's the best news ever i do want to share and i know i've not been doing much of that so yeah i'm going to go for it at christmas okay why not there's a world to win why not start with the easiest invite of the year and just be generous but let's turn back to paul and we recognize that he's on this global mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth he's not saying everyone should go but we're going to see now he wants everyone to play their part so global ambition well that is inevitable if we've understood the gospel but secondly global ambition is fulfilled through a gospel partnership verse 19 uh, paul is looking back on his first 10 years of missionary service from jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Illyricum, of course, is modern-day Albania. And uh, we've thrilled that the gospel, in those ten years, made it all the way from Jerusalem through that ark. Fully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. In a single sentence, this is ten years of his work. Three missionary journeys, they're there in the book of Acts for you to read. He's preached right across the eastern Mediterranean. It's something like 1,400 miles, that arc from Jerusalem all the way through to Albania. And he didn't do it on EasyJet or any other budget airline. He did it in budget sandals and in the face of constant opposition. But in 10 years, he'd taken the gospel right around the eastern Mediterranean. And he tells the Romans that he's fully proclaimed the gospel there. Now, he doesn't mean he's talked to everybody, doesn't mean he's been to every village or every town, but what he means is he's been to all the major sort of centers around that. John Stott says, Paul's strategy was to evangelize the populous and influential cities and plant churches there, and then leave to others the radiation of the gospel into the surrounding villages. So he said, I've hit all the key centers, is what he's saying, all around this 14... A hundred mile arc from Jerusalem to modern day Albania, and it's time to go elsewhere, is what he's saying. And his global ambition means he's not ready to retire, but ready to go again, and he's setting out his itinerary. He's going to undertake three journeys. I don't know whether you noticed or tracked where Paul is going as we looked at this. He's going to go from Corinth, where he is in modern day Greece, so that's where he is as he writes the letter to Rome. He's going to go from Corinth to Jerusalem. To deliver money that's been raised by the Gentile churches 
for the poor Christian church in Jerusalem. He's going to take the money, the offering from the Gentiles. He's going to go from Corinth to Jerusalem with that money and leave it for them. And then he's going to go from Jerusalem to Rome to visit the church in Rome for the very first time. And then he's saying to the Romans, when I get to Rome, what I'd love you to do is to send me on to Spain. So he's going to go from Corinth to Jerusalem, Jerusalem to Rome. And then he's saying, will you Roman Christians, when I come, encourage me and help me and equip me to go again in mission to the people of Spain? Now, I didn't check all of that out on Google Maps, but my understanding is it's something like this. Those three journeys, the first one's 800 miles from Corinth to Jerusalem. The second one, Jerusalem to Rome, is about 1,500 miles. And the third, from Rome to Spain, is a further 800 miles. So we're talking about a minimum 3,000-mile journey without a car, without a plane, without an engine. 3,000 miles. And Paul's saying, I need your help to get this done. I really need your help. Be a partner with me in this global mission. Now, he was an extraordinary man. He was an obsessed man, you might say. He had a passion for Jesus to the world. Someone has said he was the greatest missionary in the history of the Christian church. It's his ambition to make Christ known where Christ has not been known. But he needs their help. If he's going to go again, he needs their help. So three ways in which uh, Paul says, uh, can you help me in what God has called me to do? He says, firstly, will you sustain me in the mission? Will you sustain me in the mission? Look at verse 28 and 29. I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessings of Christ. And verse 32, in your company, be refreshed. Be refreshed. It's not enough, Paul is saying, to be simply inspired by one another. We actually need to be blessed by one another. So will you refresh my soul when I come and visit? Will you encourage me in the faith? Can we share the gospel and our lives with one another? Will you refresh me so that I might feel sustained in my faith for the vision and the mission that lies ahead? And I guess that's what we do, isn't it? Week by week when we meet on Sunday by Sunday and in our midweek groups, we try and refresh each other and sustain each other. Those are the Hebrew words, weren't they? Let us not stop meeting together to encourage each one one another to love and good good deeds. And Paul's saying, I need that too. I need your help. Will you keep me going so that I don't get discouraged, so that I don't get weary? Will you help me? And there's lots of ways in which we can be involved in mission with our mission partners because we have this amazing thing. It's called the internet. So you could Zoom or Skype a mission partner. Someone you pray for on a regular basis. You could say, oh, I just thought it might be good to catch up. And just spend 15 minutes on Skype with someone you know who's serving the Lord overseas or one of our own mission partners here at church. Refresh them. Encourage them. Tell them how you've been growing as a Christian. Tell them why you're thinking about them as a family and whatever else it might be. They may be a bit weary right now. They might be discouraged in all sorts of ways that they're not really telling anyone. But if you open the Bible with them on a Skype conversation, who knows how you might help them to feel sustained and refreshed. 
That's the first thing he asked the Romans to do. When I come to you, will you refresh me? And then secondly, he asked the Roman church, will you supply my needs in mission? Will you supply my needs on the way to Spain? Verse 24, I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, the word assist is quite a technical word for helping people, and it means resourcing. Will you resource me for my trip to Spain? So that could mean food. It could mean money. It could mean arranging companions to share some of the journey with Paul, so he's not on his own as he travels all that way out to Spain. It could mean a whole bunch of different ways. And I guess we as a church are always looking for ways to resource those who've been sent from amongst us, resource our church planters in other parts of the city, resource our mission partners in different parts of the world, financially and in other ways too. I guess we're asking the question here, what could I do to assist you in what you're trying to get done? Maybe that could be the end of the Zoom call as you talk to that mission partner. What could I do to assist you in the work you're trying to get done. So we support one another. uh, We supply one another's needs. And then Paul says, would you struggle with me in this mission? Look at verse 30. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. The word means, struggle here means to strive with me in prayer. Or more literally, would you agonize together with me? Would you put yourself into my shoes and think, what what does this person need right now, Lord, and uphold them in prayer? Would you struggle with that person in prayer? Missionaries are not superheroes. They're ordinary people like you and like me. And if Paul can say, as an apostle, will you pray for me, please? Then anyone you know who's working and serving the Lord elsewhere, you know they need your prayers. Because if Paul needed it, they need it. My wife's grandmother died at the age of 100, just before her 101st birthday. And for the 20 years or so that I knew her, I knew that she loved Jesus and she prayed for the nations. What a way to finish from the age of 80 to 100, to love Jesus and to pray for the nations. Global ambition is fulfilled through global partnership. Douglas Moo in his book on Romans talks about Paul here and says the very fact that he's asking them to partner with him in this way, he says, illustrates the humility and sense of need Paul has. Though he had a divinely given mission, Unique in salvation history, which is to be the apostle to the Gentiles, he still needs other believers. So the mission of the church is to reach the world together. And you might be someone who goes, or you might be someone who supports those who go. But whichever your role is, you share that vision, Christ to the nations, because you're reflecting on the gospel. And in partnership, not only with one another, but in partnership with other churches and mission agencies, we want to be part of a truly global partnership that says, let's reach the world together.
And let's be clear in our support of those who go. Let's remind them we're going to sustain you. We're going to refresh you. We're going to supply your needs. We're going to struggle with you in prayer. And may the glory go to Christ, who is our all in all, now and in generations to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Paul's extraordinary global ambition to preach Christ where he has not yet been made known. Would that ambition, Lord, would you impress it upon our hearts that whether we stay or whether we go, we might say we want there to be more people in heaven because we have lived than if we had not. Amen.